whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. Longest, for the longest time. Five said good beep tuhita. Okay, when did the when did a minion get here? <laughs> I knew there were Pikachu's all over, but I haven't seen no minion. Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. Oh my god, who are you? It's been so long. It has been a minute. The, my, you can see my long white beard, and the buildings behind me have crumbled into dust. Through the ravages of time since you left. Two months, wow. Um, California really is the <laughs> shithole they describe it as. Yes. Um, and it's like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. The children are telling the tales of when Sergio was on Scream 101. Yeah, but I'm back. Welcome I've back. I've been reanimated. <laughs> yes. I've, um, although, oddly, we have not seen Reanimator. We might have to watch that for the show. No. <laughs> okay. Um, I've heard nothing but good things, though. It's a great movie. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is the first week of, well, your summer break, but also yeah. 90s teen horror month. But first, let's do Towered Reviews of movies we've watched in the past two months. Yeah. Um, we're going to split up these reviews between this episode and next episode. So get ready, guys. We watched... So many Jane Austen movies mm-hmm. over the break, so we're gonna do ten word reviews of those today. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are just the ones that we watched together. I watched so many more on my own that I'm not I gonna did. talk about. Yeah, it's been crazy. Are you gonna bring them up at some point? Um, maybe just in the course of conversation because they're just rolling around in my brain. Mm-hmm. But um, let's do the ten word reviews. Okay, cool. Do you want to start or should I? Um, I'll do it. Okay. All right. So Northanger Abbey, a decent retelling of Catherine Morland as village idiot. Nice, and my review is Felicity Jones plays a sweet, dumb idiot with awesome friends. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's pretty on, on brand for her. Mm-hmm. Not for Felicity Jones, but for that character yep. in Northanger Abbey. Sure is. Who Jane Austen explicitly says is an idiot in like the first chapter. <laughs> well, she is. It's true. Every retelling of her as idiot is an accurate one. Mm hmm. All right. All right what else so, we got? Love and Friendship, a sharp take on a short novella, Lady Susan is a queen. <laughs> yes. Um, and my review of love and friendship is Jane Austen invented the antihero. Stay woke. <laughs> you really did love the fact that she was like the original anti-villain. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think that Lady Susan, the main character of love and friendship, is like probably an example of one of the first female antiheroes in literature. And she's awesome. Mm-hmm. We should do some research on that. We should. Write cause... that paper, Brennan. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Pride and Prejudice. 2005. 2005 version. Kieran Knightley is responsible for Jane Austen's success, and that's the T. Sure. And my review is beautiful, (laughs) elephant, elegant, sophisticated, but still funny. Joe Wright's Brightest Hour. And that's a joke because he directed Darkest Hour, and it was terrible. Oh, okay. That's a good joke because I was about to say, like, Atonement was next level. So, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Um, Mansfield Park. 1999. There's so many versions of these. Good that you're specifying. Um, even Fanny Price deserved better than this mediocre retelling. Sad. <laughs> My review is, implied lesbianism makes movies cool, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, good. I like that you included questions in there. Thank question you. Question marks in there. I, I like to leave people thinking about what I say. All right. That leads me perfectly into my next one. Clueless. What year was this? 1995. Okay, but cool. everyone knows what Clueless is. I don't know. Maybe they're Clueless and they don't know. True. Um, me like Emma as if me like Clueless totally bitching. Sure. Okay. <laughs> what? Um, uh, my review of Clueless is perfectly captures Austin's tone by obliterating period elements. Totes genius. Okay. Why did that, my review, throw you so? <laughs> it, me like Emma? Me like Clueless. It's like very Tarzan. <laughs> I have 10 words to work with. You're right. You're I right. I could write a beautiful essay on <laughs> how I don't like Emma, but I have 10 words to work with, Brennan, and those are the parameters by which you set. Fair enough. Um. All right, Emma. Okay, so what year is this one? 1996. It okay. actually came out a year after Clueless, and they advertised Emma by saying, Did you like Clueless? You'll love Emma. That's true. All right, so Gwyneth Paltrow as Emma, Goop's inception was inevitable. Oh, because she's rich and, and terrible. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. Um, and my review of Emma is, Like Jane Austen karaoke, basically an audiobook with no embellishment. Okay. Thank you. That's cute. Yeah. All right. Bride Impress. Wait, no. Unleashing Mr. Darcy. God. Which is a Hallmark movie, um, which I talked about with Patrick Hamilton, if you listened on our Killer Condom episode last week. Which you definitely should, because Killer Condom is a great movie, and I want to see it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've been sold. It sounds good. I'm glad. All right. So, Unleashing Mr. Darcy. Pride and Prejudice featuring Hallmark Dogs. Lifetime is shook. You do. Yeah, I'm, I see why you responded to me asking questions in my review because all of your reviews are questions. <laughs> it's the easiest way to do the thing. Fair enough. Um, my review of Unleashing Mr. Darcy is hands down the hottest Darcy, but it's for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ride in Prejudice. Come for Ashwara Rai as Lizzie Bennett. Stay for Mary Snake Dance. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and my review of Bride and Prejudice is... Makes all of my Bollywood dreams come true. Okay. You had Bollywood dreams? Uh, I didn't know I did, but now I do. Okay, awesome. There's a, the, integrating Jane Austen stories into a Bollywood framework is so genius. And we've talked about Jane Austen for five minutes, so let's talk about the craft. No, first, before we talk about the craft. Um, what? Cr- oh, the craft. I thought you were talking about Jane Austen's craft. Oh, yeah. Um. Like the craft in her prose, how she put her words together. What did you think of her syntax in paragraph three of page forty-seven of Emma? Um, I thought it was beautiful. It made me okay. like. Okay, made you like what? Well, if you know me, you know that I don't like Emma. <laughs> yes, you made. You don't have to know you as long as you've listened to the last six minutes of conversation. Um. So the fact that it's such beautiful prose means. That I can like Emma just a little bit more oh, that's, because that's of, wonderful because of the writing is so good. All right, whatever, Brennan. Talk about the craft now. Uh, yeah, this is the beginning of '90s teen horror month, which um, this is definitely a subgenre that we have a lot more experience in than mm-hmm. the other ones that we've done. Yeah, I was a teenager in the '90s. Were you? No, you no. weren't. That is a lie. No. Okay. Um. But like, I we've we've both seen a lot of '90s teen horror before this. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Scream. I know you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer. Um, we watched some of the nightmares. The the sixth one, yeah. Um, the faculty. Have you seen the faculty? No, that's a great one. What about the one with like the gay kids on the on the campus? Gay kids. 
they're not gay, but they're, it's like a school of all boys, and they're like warlocks or something. Oh, Covenant? Yeah. The Covenant. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman, who were very excited when we mentioned The Covenant like a couple months ago. Woo! Um, no, that was the mid-2000s, as you can tell by the... How everything is very shiny and wet and silver in that movie. <laughs> um, um, ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. We saw that. Yeah, that wasn't teen horror. You're, you're not paying attention. Um, <laughs> we've got like Halloween uh, H2O and we watched Urban Legend together. And what else? Um, I mean, there's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Some of the Chuckies. I guess Bride of Chucky has teens in it. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm just saying we've seen a lot of this stuff. Yeah, um, the 90s. But this month is specifically geared to fill in basically all the gaps that we have. Um, Sergio has seen The Craft before, but I had not. And yeah. that's like such a seminal piece of teen horror filmmaking from that period. Yeah, I loved it and, as a child. Yes. Oh, well, I guess we're going to get into your review of If You Love It Now. We shall see. But first, here is the plot of The Craft. Okay. <laughs> After transferring to a Los Angeles high school, Sarah, Robin Tunney, finds that her telekinetic gift appeals to a group of three wannabe witches who happen to be seeking a fourth member for their rituals. Bonnie, Nev Campbell, Rochelle, Rachel True, and Nancy, Faruza Balk. Like Sarah herself, all have troubled backgrounds, which combined with their nascent powers lead to dangerous consequences. When a minor spell causes a fellow student to lose her hair, the girls grow power mad. Ooh. And this really is the ultimate slumber party movie. Like, it has all of the games that you would play at a slumber party. Like, light as a feather, stiff as a board. It's, it's very, like... The one game. I mean, it would have Ouija boards, but it doesn't. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just, like, um, it, it captures... I mean, obviously, I've never been a teenage girl, but I think it captures a lot of um, how kind of... People who are more into the macabre, how they interact with each other in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody plays Bloody Mary or whatever at sleepovers. Like, it's such a cool thing, and this kind of draws that into, like, a bigger conclusion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we rate all of our movies on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. What would you rate scariness on? The Craft. I think a two. Okay. I mean, it's fair. It, it's, like, a, I don't know if it's trying to be scary. I don't think it is. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's more of a story of, like, how these four girls become friends. And then, you know, spoiler alert. Maybe they're not great friends. Yeah, maybe by the end, not so much. Uh huh. No one's breeding each other's hair in that last scene. Um, uh, but it's that kind of idea of like girls are having fun discovering, arguably their sexuality. Because you said there were lesbian undertones. I didn't see it. I th- I don't think there are. S- I mean, I'm sure there's essays about this. I uh-huh. don't think there are necessarily specific lesbian undertones. But I mm-hmm. can see why. Not why I can see like. As a young budding lesbian watching this movie, probably finding a lot to enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's specifically meant to be, or even in any way really implying like any sort of re- relationship between the characters other than friendship. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I did like the fact that it was like a positive idea of what female friendship can be. Like, I don't they quickly know. they quickly become friends. Like, sure, there is a little bit of a of a using her. Because they oh. see that she can be useful to them. So that's a thing. But I don't know. I, I see this movie as like the ultimate um, representation of like a catty manipulative female friendship. Okay. Explain. Um, well, because I mean, 
this girl kind of joins a group of popular girls. She has to do some stuff. None of them are popular. Not popular, but like it, <laughs> it's kind of like what you have to give up to be part of a friend group. Because mm-hmm. um, she has to kind of uh, sacrifice a little bit of her morality to join them because they yeah. want to steal stuff and she doesn't. So And she does pay for the things that she buys from the witch store or whatever. Yep. Um, which that real estate must be so expensive. They must have so many witches in town because that was a It is LA. Store. Lots yeah. of brujerias going on here. Good point. Um, but yeah, so it's about how fast these friendships do come together but how quickly they can also fall apart mm-hmm. um, if someone steps out of line. Mm-hmm. And by the end it's very clear that they were only using her for her power uh-huh. and like the way that they turn on each other so fast, just yeah. as fast as they form the friendship uh-huh. is I think kind of a stereotype of high school girls. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it is bad or like misrepresenting, mm-hmm. but like, I think it's a lot about the negative side of it as much as it's about like hanging out at sleepovers and braiding hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Um, I think that the friendship thing is what pulled me in. Okay. Is really what um uh what got me intrigued as a kid and again rewatching it. Um the idea that like you and your friends can like form a covenant and your friendship is so powerful that you can basically do what you want to do. That's um, true. Yes, it's a movie, so there has to be an arc to it and so you know by the end of it we see that these are just terrible people doing terrible things debatably. Uh-huh. Um but uh, I was just like saying okay, this is what intrigued me okay yeah i don't know if that fits in under the category of scariness though oh no we just you know we went off on a tangent there but the thing is the tangent was still about the movie which is so unusual for us so Uh i'm proud (laughs) yay um no yeah i just like there are good representations of friendship and bad ones Mm -hmm. and i don't know i I i'm trying not to sound too like social justice policey about it because i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm just saying like it encapsulates like a whole spectrum of what friendship is in Mm -hmm. high school yeah, um, but yeah. So for scariness for me, I'm probably also giving it a two because like its goal is not to frighten you. No, it's not. Its goal is to be like spooky and macabre. Mm-hmm. But there are some great scary moments. I think its goal is to be bitching. Yes, exactly. I think its goal is to show the fact that these are four women with agency. Yeah, doing Just, it for themselves. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So, but there's this freaky hobo guy with a snake oh. that like has this weird. A connection with uh, Robin Tunney and he just shows up at her house and he's like I got this snake for you mm-hmm. and that guy really freaked me out um, I don't know that that's something I don't like situations with people where you do not know how they're going to act uh-huh. like they've already clearly yeah. broken like a social code and you're like what will you do next are you going to throw this snake at me I can't predict it's bad uh-huh. um, and also Oh, the, the, she has a nightmare where her witch friends fly in through a window and start, like, choking her, and that was kind of scary. Oh, yeah, that was creepy. Yeah, no, so there, there were there were moments, but that's mm-hmm. not, like, the main thrust of what this movie is mm-hmm. at all. But but what about what about campiness, Sergio? I go to three. Yeah, me too. Um, I can't pinpoint specific campiness moments. Oh, you know I can. Yeah, that's why I'm leaving it to you. Campiness is where you shine like a diamond. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> literally the opening credits. I don't remember what the like cold open scene is. Do you remember what the very first thing we? Oh, they're like chanting or whatever. Was it? Yeah, because like it opens on. It was like, the three of them, right? Yeah, the three of them doing a little chant together. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's like 
smash cut like zooming across an ocean which is like such a 90s shot uh-huh. and then literally just like a bunch of flashes of like witchcraft imagery and then mm-hmm. something explodes oh like, yeah what the hell is going remember okay, like yeah. i audibly reacted to yeah, that, that like, Whoa! Funny. Was, um yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> Michael Bay briefly stepped in to direct the opening credits. Okay, that was a good one. I do like how it showed the ocean because it's not like she flew over continents. She just came from San Francisco to L.A. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you might fly over some ocean, but it's not like you're traveling. No, it, it's seas. clearly dry, like flying from the open ocean to the coast. Uh huh. Um. So pointless. Yeah. Um. What else is there? I mean. Brecken Meyer is in this movie, so you know it's the 90s. Yep. He went to every high school in the 90s. But many other movies have we seen him? We saw him in Clueless. Yeah, we just saw him in Clueless. He was also in um, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which we briefly talked about. Yeah. Um, Teen horror. Yes. Brecken Meyer. God, he's everywhere. Um, yeah, just so much 90s stuff. Like, uh-huh. Feruza Balk's lip liner. Her coat. Oh, the coats Her technicolor are... coat of many light, like latex leathers. Okay, the coats are great, but her lip liner is out of control, and it's the true villain of this movie. Her hair is her character okay, is yeah, so she's over terrible. the top. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like her, her acting, I, I think is on and off in how I re- appreciated it or not. Sometimes I'm like, this is too much for me. Uh-huh. Um, and sometimes I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I thought she was good because to me that character was always kind of like Bellatrix Lestrange-esque. Okay. Um, and she really did kind of capture that sort of like, you know, I can be nice at points, but also I'm off my rocker. So Yeah, like uncontrollable mm-hmm. lust for power. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, no, but just the lip liner though, because um, her face look like her. She it makes her mouth look like a cockroach because she has this really deep like red lipstick, mm-hmm. and then it's just black lip liner. It, it's she didn't apply it with like a a you know whatever you like a, a an applicator. Uh-huh. It was like it looks like she applied it with a glue stick. <laughs> like it's just so thick, uh-huh. and it's so frightening. Uh-huh. And I'm like I can see every move your mouth is making, and I do not like it. <laughs> Anyway. Sorry, you took to that so. It was just so upsetting. Uh-huh. Um, oh, the most beautiful campy moment that was so funny, it destroyed the sanctity and peace of the room that we were in. Let what me paint, did I laugh at? Let me paint a picture. Um, we're sitting on the couch in my house. My cat is chilling, sleeping on my chest, and I'm reluctantly letting him do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment when they first enter the witch store, and... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to carry on from there? Um, These girls are entering the witch store to get witch things. Yeah. And, like, the seller behind the counter greets them. But she greets them with this really weird hand motion over a candle. It looks like she's trying to cast a spell on a candle, but then it doesn't work. Yeah, nothing happens. Um, And it was just so funny because then it just cuts back to nothing. Yeah. To them. It's just, just like, this really elaborate, like, waving her hands around a candle. And Sergio went, ha! Yeah, I cracked up. And then the cat flipped out and scratched me open and ran away. <laughs> I didn't mean to scare everybody, but it was just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a really it was a really great moment. <laughs> uh, the 90s. Yeah, they were very special. Uh-huh. Um, so what do you think your effects score would be for this movie? I'd give it a four. Oh, Three dang. or four. I'm mad that I have been agreeing with you so far because I was going to give it a three, but I'm feeling a four. 
Uh-huh. Like, the effects were pretty good for this movie. Like, they were floating at one point. Um, I like how when they did Life as a, Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, uh-huh. Homegirl was in the air, and then, like, they kind of did a pan to show, like, ooh, she must be in the air. Yeah. Um, and she fell. <laughs> and her mom's like, are you kids getting high? Because mom's an idiot. Yeah, it's like, they're literally getting high. I guess so. Um, so that was, uh, that was good effects. The lightning that struck them, like the Jerry Bruckheimer logo. Yeah, um... No, I, I think like it really becomes an effects showcase at certain points, especially uh-huh. in the third act battle between Feruza Balk and uh, Robin Tunney. Uh-huh. No, sorry. Uh, I was going to say one of my favorite effects that freaked me, not freaked me out as a kid, but made me think, wow, science is so cool, was um, when Nev Campbell was getting her spine or her skin um, grafted or whatever it was with uh-huh. the little needle thing. It was like gene therapy of some kind. Allegedly. Burns all over her shoulders. Uh huh. And then eventually, like, they're cutting through the skin and, like, healthy skin is revealed beneath. Yeah, that's so gross. It's gross, but it's cool. Yeah, no, it is really cool. Um, but that was a good effect. And yeah. there's a there's a part um, in that final battle where Feruza Balk's fingers turn into snakes. And I was like, this actually, like, it obviously is an effect shot. Like, it looks composited in some mm-hmm. way. But I was like, I straight up am not sure how they did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of really cool stuff. Like, they're flying around and they're, like, having a battle, like, pressed against a wall while papers are flying at them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, a really solid evocation of, like, what magic might actually be in the real world. Uh-huh. Like, this this kind of, like, slumber party magic. Uh-huh. My favorite part of the slumber party magic, though, was when uh, Tully, Tunny, <laughs> Robin Tunny. Yeah, um, Charlize Theron. Um, when the main girl, uh, she was augmenting her appearance. She was, she was casting a glamour. Is that what that was? Yeah, to make, to make you look different. Okay, yeah. Yeah. She changed her eye color, and, like, nobody noticed, because it went from, like, brown to hazel or something dumb. Oh, I did not notice. Uh, but then she changed her hair blonde, and I was like, okay, this is cool. That is this, really cool. That had me involved. Like, that got me. I was like, I wish I could do that. I would yeah. never need a haircut again. Yeah. Just automatically have great, magically moosed hair all the time, always. I bet they sold Barbie dolls like that. I think there is. Like, you brush it one way, and the hair color changes. Uh-huh, and then you can, like, wash it, and it changes back. Yeah. Magic. Magic. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but the effects are really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like an, a balls to the wall, like, effects spectacle, I guess. No, that comes later. What do you Just mean? Just in time. Oh, yes. Well, or earlier, too. Like, the 80s horror, very much like the goopy, crazy, over the top. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was just very satisfying. Uh-huh. Like, they had a goal, and the effects helped them achieve it very mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great part where like the magic kind of turns against Robin Tunney and there's a shadow of her like kind of wrought iron door against the wall mm-hmm. and you can see all of the twisted metal parts turning into snakes Ooh. in the shadow it's really cool mm-hmm. um, what else do we got uh, what's your general quality score I'm thinking we might disagree slightly on this one because you have more nostalgia than I do I gave it a four alright yeah see I gave it a three Aww. look I'm happy we don't just have the same scores for everything. Yeah. What makes you give it a four? Like, why did you like it then, and why do you like it now? Um, I already touched on why I liked it, just in general. It's um, It was a movie about magic, okay? And as a kid, uh-huh. like, my biggest thing was, like, I want to be special. I want to cast magic yeah. or whatever. Um, 
I was always waiting for my Hogwarts letter to arrive in the mail. Uh-huh. Um, and this movie gave you just like another taste of what that could be. So that's why I liked it then. And it reminds me about that now. Like I cannot escape that feeling of nostalgia when watching it. So that's okay. why it's a four. Because it has a and lot of rewatchability for me. Yeah, no, it, it totally does. And you were, I believe, five when this movie came out? I didn't watch it then, but No, yeah. I know. What, when did you come to it and like how did you find it? Um, probably 10 to 13 ish. Uh-huh. Um, I can't give you like an actual no, year. That's, I, I wouldn't uh, remember either. Um, was it on TV or something? Yeah, it was, I think just playing over all the time on like HBO or oh, Showtime. Okay, that or makes sense. Whatever the channels we pirated were. <laughs> Is the statute of limitations up on that? I think we're good. I think we're good. Um, but yeah, um, see, I have no nostalgia for it. Um, I, I did have certain problems with it. I enjoyed it very much on, on that same level of like, I, I did feel like it captured a lot of the high school experience mm-hmm. of like, also okay. my high school was in it. Yes. Literally your exact high school um, yeah. is where they shot the pool scene. Yep. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. All of a sudden I was looking at them and I was like, that seems kind of familiar. I remember learning to swim in high school. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I remember learning to swim in a pool like that. And I was like, oh, crap. And you're like, wait, there were bleachers right there in that big window. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's where the big diving board would be. Um, and I was like, oh, crap, it's my high school. Yeah, well, your high school's super cool because it's where they film every movie, like American Pie and Paris Hilton's Nothing in This World music video. Mm-hmm. Um, such a good song. Yeah, my high school is um, it's very open. Um, shout out to Polly, Long Beach Polly. Um, it has that open air kind of plan. Um, there's a big quad. And it's located conveniently. Well, I mean, everything's located off of a freeway in California. But um, it's right off the 710 or near the 710. So it's easy to get to. Uh-huh. Um, and it's perfect weather all the time because it's near right walking distance between the beach. Yeah. And Long Beach is where they can pretend it's not super urban. Like yeah. they can pretend it's like suburbs of anywhere in America. Yeah. Because um, we are a mid-sized metro. Yeah. And because like LA schools look like LA schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of sandwiched between other things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, LA schools are like, I want to say prison like, but they they're are very like they're very um like tall. Yeah, like everything is like in one building just because they have so many kids. They have to like satisfy to I want to say satisfy, but teach educate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> House. Um, there we go. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I'm giving it a three. Like I did enjoy all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But I thought the the plot was just kind of vague in like the ways that they could use magic were like, I don't know. I just I felt like it wasn't completely explored what the consequences of their actions would be in certain way. I don't know. It just it got really like loopy, new agey at a certain point. Well, because the lady behind the counter with the fancy hands was telling them like, no matter what you do, it's gonna come back to you times three, which kind of didn't happen. It happened to Tunny. Robin Tunny, whatever. Yeah, yeah, because she she cast a spell on Skeet Ulrich, who we Uh have not mentioned. Like, this was a Scream reunion before Scream happened. Uh (laughs) So whatever that means. Uh I guess Scream was a craft reunion. Yeah. um, And she experiences that, like, it coming back to her. Um, yeah, because like he kind of becomes obsessed with her and gets really creepy, mm-hmm. and there's like a almost rape scene. It's it's intense. Uh huh. Um, but the others don't experience that at all. The others just experience like a high of magic, uh, and they just experience it without any kind of consequence. Yeah, which which is weird. It, it never really came back to them, and mm-hmm. I was like, I, I was promised this. Mm-hmm. Um, you can argue that it came back to what's her face, 
Farah Zabalk. Yeah. Just, I mean, I guess, but it's because she was defeated. Yeah. Um, like the magic consequences didn't arrive. I uh-huh. don't know. It, it, it just like there were certain things that the plot set up that I didn't feel were completely satisfied. Mm-hmm. And it is a very loose plot. It's mm-hmm. it's a very much a hangout movie with witchcraft, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Yeah. Um, by the way, Nev Campbell, like a kind of different role for her. And I liked it. Because she wasn't the leading lady? No. Um, it just like it was it was one of those she's all that transformative roles where she starts off like really like not ugly, but she has frizzy hair and she hides her body under this coat because she's ashamed of her scars and she's like kind of nerdy and like withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And she she becomes like super hot Nev Campbell and wears leather and like so there's that transformation. But I, I think that character she played in the beginning is something I haven't really seen from her and I really liked it. Oh, cool. Go Nev Campbell, showing a different side of herself 30 years ago. Yeah, that <laughs> wasn't that long ago. Almost. Um, I don't believe you. Um, Fine, so 23 years ago. Yeah, okay. God, we're old. Was it 23 years ago? 1995. Yeah, it must be. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I was born a little later than The Craft, I think. You were born earlier than The Craft. What? In the Never mind, that makes no sense. Um, How old am I? I'm You're- 23. You'll be 24 this year, though. Yeah. You were born in 94. I was born in 95. Nope, that makes sense. Okay. M- math is hard. Happy birthday um, to you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I, I just think by the end, it's really bleak and cruel what happens to Feruza Balk. I don't know if it's cruel. Like, no, it just... It comes back to her. No, it does. Like, she's a terrible, mean person. Uh-huh. But also, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it shows that she's from, like, an abusive white trash family to justify how mean she is. Um, it, it, it's like a weird thing. It's like, are we supposed to be sympathetic for her because her situation sucks so much? Mm-hmm. Or are we supposed to hate her because she is really mean and terrible? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that she like gets uh, put in an institution and she's like strapped to a bed screaming about how she can fly and how she has the power. Mm-hmm. And it's just really... It's a bleak, sad ending for this fun teen movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this. Mm-hmm. It's very like, uh, I know we were talking about this earlier, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, we talked about this all day. Um, uh, how Azula ends up kind of crazy, uh-huh. like broken um, because of the circumstances with which she grew up. Uh-huh. Um, and you're not sure how to feel, if you should feel sympathetic for her because, uh-huh. or any kind of empathy because she is a terrible person who's made terrible decisions, but she is terrible because of her circumstances. Yeah, like, it's understandable why she became the way she is, mm-hmm. although, like, it still is their decision to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's one of those weird... The one way that I look at it is, um, uh, I guess there is humanity in everybody, uh-huh. um, but having terrible circumstances, this movie's very conservative, doesn't absolve you of your own personal agency because all four of them were outcasts in some way or other. Yes, that's true. Granted, I, the black girl's only, like, circumstance was that she was African-American. Yeah. And that Although, she went to a racist high school. Yeah, the racism in this is pretty savage, though. Yeah. It's really brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, just in, like, one scene. Mm-hmm. But that's... I wish they did more with that actually because like the lengths they went to show how racist this the mean girl character was mm-hmm. um she just it, it did it it kind of kind of promised a movie that would explore that more um and it didn't mm-hmm. i feel like 
if, if they had actually made it a major part of the plot line, I feel like it would have been more uh, justified in how brutal they went with it. Uh-huh. I don't know. It, it was just weird. Um, but So you mean that um, it was a lot of ugliness or not very much payoff? Yeah, because she's still the token black girl character. Mm-hmm. They I don't, don't think she's token. I think she absolutely is. Do you mean is. like token in the sense that uh, she's just there because she's black? Yeah, like she doesn't really have a personality. We don't learn a lot about her. Mm-hmm. We That is an unfair thing about her character, I will say, is that even back then as a child, I realized like there's more to her or they don't give her enough. No, they don't. And like the one thing they give her is this racist character. Uh They don't give her an arc in any way. And the brutality of how racist that one character is, Uh is like, we're putting you in this movie because we need a black person in this movie, but we're going to treat you like this and we're not going to like explore it at all Mm -hmm. because it's just like a real part of life. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it it was undernourished and like too mean to that character mm-hmm. to deserve mm-hmm. how little they give her. I agree. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Um, but yeah, and I I I was just mad at how quickly Nev Campbell and um the other one, Rachel True. I don't know her from anything. Who's Rachel True? The 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 black one. Oh yeah. Um, Rebecca True. Her last name is True. I know. I remember her. Um, but no, I don't think they've ever done much. What has Feruza Balk done? Feruza Balk was in Return to Oz, um, which, according to the quote on the front of the DVD, is a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Good for her. Um, um, no, I mean, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know what else she's done. Lots of people from teen movies go on to never do anything else. No, I'm. that's that's not the sen- Like, you didn't let me finish my sentence. Which I was sorry, I got distracted by trying to remember the girl's name. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm saying I didn't like how quickly Nev Campbell and the other girl turned on Robin Tunney. Oh, well, I think they were. Listen, they were always pawns. The movie was yeah. always about um, Robin Tunney and Feruza Balk, like yes. going to clash. She had the one person who desperately wanted power, and then the one person who naturally had it. Um, no, I I do get that, but I was just it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Feruza Balk was on seven episodes of Ray Donovan. The Ray Donovan? Yes, with Liev Schreiber from Scream. More connections. And she was in Almost Famous. Oh, I never saw that. Although my sister loves that movie. In American History X. Stop moving your leg. Everyone can hear it. Really? Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I I think that's pretty much everything I had to say about it. I did enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Just there were certain parts where I was like, this feels kind of malnourished. Like it's not. I'm not being given exactly the movie that I want, and that's probably not a fair review. But it was like, okay, remake that movie, Brennan. No, everyone would watch it, and everyone would hate it. I would remake it. Who would Who would star in your remake of The Craft? Um, Ooh, let. Okay, I would give. Let me give you one. Um, Angry Rice. Who the heck is that? From the Nice Guys, she's Ryan Gosling's daughter, and okay. she was just in Every Day this okay. year. She would be my um, my evil girl. Oh, I'd make her Nev Campbell. Okay, that's what I would think. Okay, I'm trying to think of like teen stars today. Okay, Ooh. Zendaya. Ooh, who? Oh, oh, well, obviously. Okay. Zendaya would be my lead, my Robin Tunney. Uh huh. Oh, and I or would Zendaya. However you say her name. Yeah, Zendaya. Um, I the girl who plays um Cheryl Blossom on Riverdale would be a good Feruza Ball. Yes, she would. Yes. All right. And who's so left? then who's left to be the token black character? Oh, uh, well, um, 
See, we're woke because uh-huh. we made Zendaya the main character. Uh-huh. So we need a token, what, like a gay dude probably, right? Oh, yeah. Who is gay and in everything? Um, oh, that kid. The um, gay kid from Other People? Other People? No. no. Oh, okay. Who are you thinking? Oh, him. He's too young. He is too young. Uh, although I do love him. Uh, uh, I was thinking of... um. You haven't seen 13 Reasons Why. I saw um, one episode. Oh, uh, in Love, Simon, there's that one kid uh, who he thinks is gay, but turns out it isn't him. It's like another theater kid. He's like part of the tech crew. Yes. And he's super twinky. Uh-huh. Him. I don't know his name. I'm going to look him up. Is he in a, Oh, he's in 13 Reasons Why. He's in 13 why Reasons also. Why. He's a much bigger character. Oh, okay. Sure. That. Um, if we're adding another character, just because just I'd put in like maybe Alexandra Ship, who plays Storm in the new X-Men's. She's okay. I like her. Uh, okay. Okay. Fine. Uh, no. I'm not sold on her. Okay. Fine. I'm, she doesn't get a part in our movie. Uh-huh. All right. So his name is Miles Heiser. Sure. Uh, and he plays um, a gay kid in that. Well, he's not gay in the show. Uh-huh. He's like I don't know. Maybe he's like some kind of. I don't know. I haven't seen the second season. Uh huh. And I think I think that um, Robin Tunney's parents should be played by uh, Emma Roberts and Dave Franco, so they can finally graduate from being teenagers, because <laughs> they're like eighty at this point. And they gave birth to a daughter who's taller than them. <laughs> whatever. Um, whatever. <laughs> they can be teachers at the school. Sure, that makes sense. Um, oh, by the way, in this movie, the dad was played by Cliff DeYoung from Shock Treatment. Wonderful. I didn't catch that, so good job, Brennan. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope it, what, we weren't too rusty. It has been two months since we recorded anything. It's been a minute, but I'm glad to be back on. Yeah, it's so nice. Um, I'm going to tell you what we're watching next week, but first, uh, here's how you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter at Scream 101 <laughs> <laughs> on Scream 101 Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream 101 Podcast. You can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, give us five stars because we're back, baby. We're back in action. Although I think people liked a lot of the other co-hosts you had on. They so did. that's a testament to, well, I'm going to say their excellence in their field. Yeah, it's a testament to the cool people I can pull. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks again to um, BJ Colangelo and Ryan Larson and Patrick Hamilton for being our temporary Sergios for a little bit. And shout out to Shannon Chalakian, who is great always and forever in yeah. my heart. Yeah, she was so nice. She's great always. I mm-hmm. love her. I hope you're doing well. She was not listening to this. I but know. maybe. I She's probably seen the craft. Yeah. Probably. Cause she likes ladies doing it for themselves. Yeah, she does. Okay. So. Yeah, a bit of fights over that. <laughs> yes. Our theme song is A Beat For You by Pseudo Echo off their album Autumnal Park. <laughs> so do you want to know what we're watching next week? I sure do. Um, let me give you some information about it and let's see if you can guess what it is and I don't think you can. Um, so this is going to be a boring game. Um, it's The from, Faculty. No, it's from 1998. It stars James Marsden, Katie Holmes, and Nick Stahl, um, and some other people. It's not Teaching Mrs. Tingle, is it? No, it's not. Can um, it be Teaching Mrs. Tingle? Because I like that movie. Oh, you've seen that? Well, that one, Okay, spoiler alert. That one's coming later this month. Okay, cool. Um, but this one is called Disturbing Behavior. Oh, I've not seen it. Yeah, neither have I. So that'll be fun. Um, Josie, and, and I guess spoilers, stick around for Teaching Mrs. Tingle. All right. You can't have a 90s teen horror month and not have a Kevin Williamson movie. That's right. You cannot have a 90s teen month and not have Helen Mirren as Teaching Mrs. Tingle. She's in that? 
I think she is. Ah, Sarah Winchester herself. Yes. California jokes. Okay. Well, the Winchester house is in California. Yeah, you're right. San okay. Jose in the house. Okay, until next week, good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Bye. Adios. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, Justin. We really need to record a trailer for our podcast. Why? Because that's how we'll get people to tune in. All the great podcasts have them. Oh, okay. Hey, what's this? You own a cassette player? What is this, 1992? This isn't mine. Well, what's on it? Hmm, let's see. Hey everyone, welcome to Eerie Earfuls. Every two weeks we pick a horror movie double feature to compare and contrast for your entertainment. Who chooses rotates each episode. We explain why we chose the films, then proceed to analyze the two. Proceed to analyze the two. Proceed to analyze the two. For your entertainment. You never know what pairings we might choose. You never know. What the hell? Was that... Us on that tape? Hello? Find more episodes on podpeople.me. Podcasts for the weird at heart. Ah!